Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Well, a blessed Advent to you all. You know, it's been interesting living here in uh, Dane County. Uh, everyone uh, thinks they're so correct uh, for all the holidays, uh, but yet around this time, what, uh, what incorrect reading do you most often hear? Merry Christmas. It's not right. You're supposed to say Happy Advent. So when somebody says Merry Christmas to you before sundown on December 24th, you set them right and you say Happy Advent. But seriously, while all the big box stores and the TV stations all want you to think that Advent is Christmas and Advent is about Christmas because they can sell more things, historically, Advent has had almost nothing to do with Christmas. Advent is not about preparing for Christmas. You can't prepare for something that happened in the past. And if Advent is simply about preparing for Christmas, then it's a mere reenactment, and it means almost nothing for our lives now. Advent is so much more important. What we're doing in Advent is preparing for what is to come. The word Advent means, uh, comes from the Latin word adventus, which means coming or appearing. And so the primary focus of Advent is on Jesus' second coming, when he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. That's why in Advent you'll see either violet or blue pyramids uh, because it's a season of repentance on which we, we look to the sky, uh, to the blue dawn, to Jesus' second coming, his return. Uh, but there are three Advents of Jesus the church uses this season to reflect on. The first is Jesus' first coming into the world, when he, uh, which was foretold long ago by the prophets. And it's his first coming as we see today. When he comes meek and mild and and humble and lowly, like he did into Jerusalem, it's this coming that informs his second coming. He will come again in the same way. We don't have to be afraid of him. And that actually means something for us today. But as we'll also see today, while we wait in eager expectation for Jesus to come again, Jesus doesn't make us come to him, rather he continues to come to us. Jesus' third coming is his continual coming when he comes even now humbly in his means of grace. Now, Advent really puts us out of step with the culture. And no matter how hard you try not to, you will get sucked in to the hustle and the bustle of this busy holiday season. Everything and everyone will be pulling at you, trying to become your God, the most important thing to you. And you'll know this by how uh, utterly burnt out you are at the end of December 25th. All these gods uh, demand and demand and demand and give nothing lasting in return. But here in the church, Advent counterculturally invites us to, to slow down. Advent shows to us you don't need to satisfy a hundred different gods. You have one God who gives everything 
to you. And so that I, I, I hope that Faith Lutheran Church can be that place for you to slow down and reflect this season. So that when Christmas does come, you're actually able to enjoy it and take in what wondrous thing Christ's first coming actually is. And Christ's first coming is what I want to talk about this morning in connection with the first commandment. You shall have no other gods. What does it mean to, to trust in God? What does it mean to have faith in God? And secondly, who is this God who comes to you? The plot of almost every movie you'll see around this uh, time of year uh, is about the wonder of a little child on Christmas morning or, or some adult believing again in the spirit of the season or the spirit of Frosty or, or of elves or, or whatever uh, or that everyone just needs to believe again just like a little child. And we heard something similar to that earlier, didn't we, in Mark's baptismal gospel where Jesus said, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And we see this even as Jesus enters into Jerusalem on the donkey. Who is it that's calling out the praises? The children. It's the children who are showing what it means to trust in God above all things. They confess Jesus to be not just a prophet like the rest of the city, but the son of David, the one who comes in the name of the Lord to save them. Now, it's important to realize that Scripture uses not adults, but children as the pinnacle example of those with faith. They aren't the exception, but the rule. But unfortunately, we, we've come to let pop culture influence our idea of what faith or belief is rather than Scripture. Thanks to bad holiday movies, we, we tend to equate this faith with something like a, a childlike innocence. That to believe means to somehow be pure or innocent or, or at the very least ignorant. Well, we may have a lot of ignorance going around, but if this were the case, then not even children would have faith. Because as anyone who actually has a child will tell you, not even children are innocent. Psalm 51 says that we were sinful from birth, from conception. Elsewhere, God says that everyone will be held accountable for their sins, even those who didn't even know they were sinful, including children, before they even know, knew, who, what, knew what sin was. And so, to trust in God, to have faith like a child, has nothing to do with the qualities of a child. It also has nothing to do with, with head knowledge. You know, most of American Christianity today wants to just reduce a faith to a mere assent of information, simply intellectually understanding and assenting to the facts. But look at who Jesus, or look at what Jesus tells the chief priests and the experts in the law, you know, those people who knew all the facts, but were, who were so caught up in the hustle and the bustle of Passover, which for them was like cultural Christmas. Jesus quotes from Psalm 8, and he says, Have you never read? From the lips of little children and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. <clears throat> How does a nursing infant have faith? Well, it can't be intellectual knowledge. And by the way, where does Scripture ever pair faith with reason? 
Again, little children are not the exception, they're the rule. Paul says that the natural person does not accept the things of God and cannot understand them. And so faith is not intellectual assent. Faith is dependence. A nursing infant, from Jesus' example, from the moment she's born, is dependent on her mother for everything. For everything she needs. She can't go to Quick Trip and, and pick up a bag of milk. Love Wisconsin, by the way, for that. From the moment she's born, she trusts her mother and receives from her what she needs. So when Jesus says, you must become like a little child, this is what he means. And by the way, when he uses the word little child, the Greek word there is actually baby. So it's, this is not a fideism, not like in the holiday movies, of, of letting go of reason and just, just believing, but rather depending, depending on God for all your needs, especially your salvation. <clears throat> to have faith like a baby is to be dependent and to look to God for all your needs. And this is the way that our catechism in the first commandment actually defines a God. A God is whoever or whatever you rely on or trust in for your help. Wherever you look to for good, that's your God. And so there's nothing more important than to have the right faith in the right God, which is why God makes this commandment number one. And this is so counterintuitive because we tend to think that, that my faith is the thing that makes God act. That my faith, my assent to God, the action of my will, is the thing that saves me. That if I scratch God's back, he's going to scratch mine. If I just decide to trust God or believe in God, he's going to forgive me and then save me. But this is not the God we see to us on Palm Sunday. This is not a God who first asks that we do something for him. Now, Jesus' entrance on Palm Sunday shows us a God completely counterintuitive from what we expect. We see a God who, who doesn't want us to meet him halfway. He doesn't make us ascend to him even just a little bit. He doesn't come 99% of the way and then just ask us, to, well, just believe, just have faith, just, just trust. On this first Sunday in Advent, we see a God who comes all the way, literally all the way to You know, we often think about God's power, that God's power is shown in, in whenever God is doing big things, like creating the world or, or, or healing the sick or changing water into wine or performing some of the miracles. And those do show God's power. But think about this. How much more amazing is it for the infinite God to actually limit himself, for God to actually confine himself, after all, he's God. He could be doing miracles all the time. In fact, God's not even bound by time. But he chooses to live in himself. He becomes a human being. He comes into time, born under time, born under the law. And why? To die. He's God. He can't die. But God takes on human flesh in order to die, to be wrapped in cloths, and placed in a grave to be held by a cross and confined to a, by a stone. 
That's why he's coming into Jerusalem in the first place. And notice this little detail. When Jesus sends his disciples to go get the donkey and her colt, what does he tell them to say? If anyone says anything to you, you are to say, the Lord needs them. Wait a minute. The Lord needs them? He's God. How does God need anything? But this is the amazing thing. God limits himself. He humbles himself. As the prophet Zechariah said, Look, your king comes to you humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The God who created that donkey, who miraculously knows that the owner of that donkey will send it, no questions asked, that God needs transportation. God becomes subject to the same banal, mundane, ordinary needs that you and I have. God himself is born of a woman. God who created Mary becomes a nursing infant on Mary's lap. God becomes dependent. God himself becomes dependent. He gives up everything so that by his grace he might give us everything. Jesus is humbled, he's conceived, he's born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and was buried, and through it all, never once, but his wants or needs first. Jesus depended on his Father, knowing that his Father, the will of his Father, was the ultimate good. And in so doing, Jesus fulfilled the first commandment for us, who can't even do it for a single day, let alone amidst the hustle and the bustle. This is the beautiful lesson that Advent teaches us. We have a God who comes completely to us. He knows all the sins we have ever committed, even those that we've forgotten about or don't know about. He knows the awful condition of our hearts more so than we do, but still he comes. Not to punish, but to forgive. But he does come humbly. And those who aren't dependent on him, who, who have run after other gods that they can understand, like the chief priests and the experts in the law, will miss him completely. Jesus comes to you in simple human speech. Whenever the gospel is spoken, you're hearing the very powerful words of God, the same words that God used to create life although limited by human words, give life to you. Faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Jesus comes to you in ordinary bread and wine. But we sing, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Because this ordinary bread is his body. And this ordinary wine is his blood. God, who confined himself to riding on a humble donkey, confines himself in humble bread and wine. It can't be understood by reason, but again, faith is not understanding, but depending. And what greater way for God to come to us than in food, something we need and depend on? He says, take and eat, take drink. This is given for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. And today we saw him coming to Little Isla through water and his powerful word.
And like he did to each one of us, God created faith and brought us into his eternal family. We didn't even have to do 1%. When God limits himself, when God comes to us, amazing things happen. Advent shows to us that God comes all the way from the lips of little children and nursing babies, God has prepared praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.